Welcome to Not Alone, a podcast about faith and well-being. We're so glad you're listening. Setting goals can be tricky. Following through on them is even harder. Sometimes it's good to have a little accountability from others. But where is the line between helpfulness and judgment? This week, we explore the concept of accountability, how it works in the context of discipleship, how the concept can be misused and abused, and what it looks like to practice healthy transparency in work, family, and relationships. Here again to discuss this topic are Michael McCord, Evan DeYoung, and Lindsay Geist. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another beautiful, wonderful, insightful, definitely not dull, boring... Dull or boring episode of the Not Alone podcast. I'm Evan DeYoung, and I'm here with Lindsay Geist and Michael McCord, the one and the only for each of them, respectively. The two and the two only. Here they are, Lindsay and Michael. Would you like to say hi to the peoples? Oh, I don't even know what hey to say. Hey, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you all could just see how much Evan cracks himself up. It just, it's, it's, it's like spectacular some days. Mm-hmm. My internal world is very vibrant and alive. Don't worry. Oh, goodness. <laughs> well, we are, we are back here in the back half of season three. Excited to be with you again. Why does it have to be the back half? Well, if, if, we had a pause after part of season three. What know, would you call well, that? I think this is the, you know, the grand half. Could it be the grand half or the. Okay. You know. Okay. Yeah. Um, ladies and gentlemen, we are back in the grand half of season three. <laughs> See, it just doesn't make I mean, much do you, sense. Do you call it top of the season or bottom of the season? Oh, Like, Steve. if we're going to use a baseball reference, that always really confuses me of why. I mean, I get it, but I, I'm i like, why? So, <laughs> baseball, okay, anyway. I don't know uh, <laughs> if there's a count on podcasts. <laughs> Three to two. Oh. Evan's got us off topic one time. It's the top of the third season three. Oh. <laughs> Lindsay rolled her eyes for the third time. Two balls, two strikes. <laughs> oh my goodness! Here we go. So this week we are talking about. <laughs> we are. I can't listen. You guys can't keep laughing at me. I can't get to the co- the content. The people are here for the content, not for this chicanery. <laughs> That's right. Keep us accountable, Evan. True. Thank you, Michael. Great transition. Because this this week we are talking about accountability. Accountability. I don't know what that is. It gets thrown this, around a lot, but I don't true. know what it is. It's true. <laughs> Something we're supposed to be doing with one another, but none of us really know what it is. So that explains so much. I, when somebody says it, if somebody said, hey, we needed to have an accountability conversation, I would immediately think I was in trouble. Like when somebody's name gets called over to the intercom in elementary school and everybody in the class goes, ooh. Did that, did yeah. that happen for you guys in elementary school? It did, but I never really understood it because it could be anything like, you know, here's your lunch that your mom dropped off versus like you're going to the principal's office. I mean, right. I mean, it was it really booing? had two options of equal greatness, but opposite experience. One is you're going to the principal's office because you pulled a girl's pigtails in kindergarten and had to have detention. Did or, you do that? I mean, it's just it's a possible. I'm just saying there's a scenario. <laughs> well, I didn't in know which, if it was rooted in, re- in your reality. Saying, 
where some it's kind of possible that a kindergartner might get detention for pulling a girl's pigtails but but they were dancing like back and forth in front of the kids so it's not really his fault <laughs> but oh this is real this is real this is real you the, uh, the second option is you getting checked out early and yeah that's you're right i mean sweet. those are the those are the two options oh so. that's great yeah i <laughs> I mean, I don't understand why we always got like booed when somebody was leaving class, because isn't that like what you uh, what you hope happens the older you get and the further you get in school, like any chance you get to get out of class? Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Like, we were all like, man, I'm jealous. I don't care if he's going to detention. Well, yeah. I, I, I do want to remember. <laughs> I, don't I don't know how we got. Here. We all went to different <laughs> elementary schools and it was universal that when somebody's name, like there wasn't a yes. manual that you got on day one. It was just, did every elementary school in America, when somebody's name got called out over the intercom and they were in the class, did everybody go, ooh? Yeah. That is a weird cultural phenomenon now that I think about it. I think I'm going to spend way more time thinking about this in the next few days than I probably need to or should. I'm writing next this week's down. episode is this is our on... next podcast. Universal cultural phenomenons. <laughs> Nobody talks phenomenons in the it is American heavy. culture. Wait, what you were naming, going back to like actual accountability. Like I'm going to hold us accountable and talk about the content. Um, but we often talk about... <laughs> <But> first. <laughs> we... <laughs> first. Accountability we freak out about because we assume it means punishment or it comes along with punishment Seems like when i mean i actually googled the word because i was like i want to look at a few different dictionary definitions uh to try to figure out where we even got that idea and most of the time the words that keep coming up in the definition are responsibility Ooh. That's another tough word. That one, that one you don't like either, Michael. That, that one at one. least feels better than accountability. I mean, you know, it's I responsibility as a three in the enneagram. You know, it's it's we're addicted to responsibility, so it is both like uh, the thing that gives us uh, energy, but also it's like uh, the thing that consumes us as being responsible for an increasing amount of things. Um, but I, no, I think responsibility is probably a, uh, an easier approach to understanding kind of what accountability really is in a, in a more day-to-day life and in up against the idea of sort of traditional, um, punishment oriented accountability. I think, I think that's helpful. I wonder if accountability, part of why I don't like it that much is that I feel like the word has been used against me in the church world. Oh yeah. Hands down. Hands down. It feels very weaponized. Yeah. Yeah. It is. I think think that's why I'm, I'm like, Oh, none of this feels good because it just, the word accountability almost always comes with like being chastised in some way, shape or form. It's like, I cannot believe you did that. You need to be better than that. Um, here's what it's, real it's like true a, Christians a, do. A public weigh-in or something like that. If yeah. you're on a diet, it's just what kind of the, the way that we approach it a lot of times in, in Christian fears. You know, it's interesting because when I, when I Googled accountability, Christian accountability in particular, uh, it was just filled with, uh, websites and softwares that help 
um, people avoid pornography usage. So it's it's all about sexual accountability. Um, and oh my goodness! I, thought that I mean, was, that I goes back to our entire purity yeah. culture conversation yeah. of like how fearful we are about the conversation around sex that we we need to be holding people accountable and um everything needs to be like in the purest form that we can it it does seem like there's a fine line between needing to address some real challenges that are really drawing away from people's health and the health of a productive society and then people just wanting to manage other people's lives and behavior Mm, right, it's sort yeah. of the difference between praying for your friends and your family and gossiping about your friends and family during a prayer. Yeah, I just need to unpack. I just need to just unpack. Need to, you just, just need pray to pray for Lindsay's family and yeah, you always, be with you always... her and her. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Some days. Right? I, I, I just, like. yeah. y'all are really the brothers that I didn't ask for. <laughs> didn't Thank ask for it. Don't is... want. <laughs> didn't want. <laughs> you can't Good see God. it, but she's blinking. Help me in Morse code on the Zoom. <laughs> so have any of you uh, experienced? Concept... Oh, I, I'm sorry. I was oh, two, two, oh, two back two. on topic transitions at the same right. time. Those cancel each other out. Now I get to take us off topic for at least another two minutes. <laughs> I think what I was going to say is I think the concept of accountability um, can be really pure in its, uh, if we, uh, if we really boil it down, like we're trying to help one another grow closer to God and be healthier versions of ourselves. If we are doing a really healthy accountability or in some ways I would use the word support of one another. Um, If we aren't judging one another, but really providing uh, support and encouragement for one another. Yeah. You know, I think another word that runs maybe alongside accountability and responsibility is, is discipleship in, in our, in our culture in campus ministry, discipleship is a very, um, I think sometimes in churches, it can be very programmatic. Like it's uh, like Bible studies and that sort of thing. And, and that can be part of your discipleship experience. But for us in, in, in campus ministry, we really talk about discipleship as a, as a, as a deep, meaningful, lasting relationship with another person where, where there's this mutual vulnerability and support of each other and, and your own personal spiritual journey, you know, and it's, and I have found those kinds of relationships to be the ones that are the most formative for me personally, and the ones that hold me accountable to those, those goals or or those practices that I have for myself Hmm. that, that I want to establish or. Yeah. I think part of the challenge for me for accountability maybe in the church especially, is that it has often felt like a one-way street where there are those in power and in authority, and they are the ones who set the tone to hold everyone accountable, and they're the guiding group. 
but there's not very much accountability back up the chain. Um, so accountability isn't talked about in a way that we get better together. Accountability is a way that you get better and do more what I think you should be doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's I think that's really fair. And I think that's definitely the experience I've had is that especially, well, I wouldn't say, and it's not only Christian like environments too, but like I think about uh, educational environments uh, principals and teachers mm-hmm. and, uh, and department heads. Uh, I could think about, you know, all kinds of like leadership structures where um, often the person and leader feels like they have to demonstrate their strength and integrity um, by disciplining, holding accountable people who are subordinates to them. And in so doing, really rob the the whole system of what could be really healthy accountability, mutual accountability, shared the shared work of of living and working inside of a community together, and that's where I think things go amok too. That that has me wondering what what might be the key components of healthy accountability or healthy support of one another. I mean, one of the things I just heard was some sort of mutuality or similar, uh, not a, not an unbalanced uh, power differential. Mm -hmm. There, there needs to be people on an even playing field in some way. Yeah. I don't know if it has to be, I'm thinking um, I would maybe not, and I'm just I'm I'm just reaching here. Maybe be on the same playing field. Recognize that there's always power dynamics in every yeah. in every organization. So so I I'm might be responsible for a certain number of staff members, and there's accountability built into supervision and building of a team. But but to and there are two ways I can approach that, or probably more than two. But there's at least two ways I can approach it. One is that. I'm your boss. I'm telling you this is what to do and you better get it done. And that's a form of accountability, right? Mm. You set, tell them what to do. If they don't do it, they're in trouble, whatever the ramifications are. The other is to, to, as a leader, encourage like shared, you know, expectations for each other. What do, what do you need from me as your leader so that you can do what you need to do in your role? And I think that's the, that's the, sort of the idea of we're both on the same field. We have different mm-hmm. responsibilities, but we're on the same field. Mm. And and we're going to make these decisions and this work more collaborative in nature, as opposed to me being at the press box, I use an athletic yeah. analogy, and, 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 you know, tell Evan that here, Evan, you need to run this play, which is a, you know, this disconnect, which I think is what happens a lot because accountability is really hard and right. being vulnerable in those kinds of relationships is, can be challenging. Grossly overestimated my athletic ability. I did. Yes, I did. <laughs> for for the sake of making it clear. Yeah, but I need to do it for the team. <laughs> what What other components do you think are important in, or you know, key elements in accountability? So, I, I, I mean, go ahead, Michael. I, I've got a. I read a book on this, so I'm interested. Of course, I, I you gonna, did. I was going to share. <laughs> I'm like, well, you've I, always read a book on everything. 
<clears throat> no, I can't read. I listened to it. <laughs> oh, well, goodness. I guess reading requires I, sitting still for the most part. True, which is not something you excel at. I have bounced all over this room in my rolly chair this whole time. <laughs> um, I think my most vivid example of um, a lapse in, in real accountability uh, was in a former former job that I, I worked in where, where I may have shared some of this before, where people were afraid to hold certain people accountable. Um, and by that, I mean, tell them the truth about how their work ethic and their personality was interacting in the system. So they, they were, they didn't want to do that. They didn't want to be honest because they were afraid it was going to hurt the person's feelings not realizing that this person already has hurt feelings is already feeling isolated in the work culture and, mm. you know, feels the pressure of not fitting. And I think, so, so I say that to say that I think honesty, and again, this idea that we're going to be open and transparent and vulnerable with people, with each other is an important aspect of accountability. Uh, and I think that goes both ways. Like if you're in a relationship where you've, you've been asked to, to be part of a person's life or you choose the two of you choose to be hold each other accountable and some facet of your life is the one listening needs to hold up the mirror and be honest and reflective of what they're hearing. And then at the same time, the person who's sharing needs to be open and honest and true as they're sharing about themselves. So the, the idea of honesty and openness, I think is a really central component mm. to, to healthy accountability. In this book, they would call that a pool of shared meaning, and it's one of the steps towards how to have good accountability conversations. What? He's laughing at me. I love the concept of pool of pool of shared meaning uh, from the book Crucial Conversations. That's one of my like key things that my takeaway. Yeah, it's like the same when people are in different places. A pool of shared meaning is important. What is wrong, yeah. Michael? Why are you making Michael? Just, just because he I just named think something it's such important. a cheesy phrase. I'm sorry. I'm just being transparent here. I think it's a cheesy phrase. Pool of shared meaning. What would you call oh, it? Goodness. A fondue of shared meaning. <laughs> That's right. It's the hot tub. Is of... it the hot tub? A percolator of shared meaning. Uh, oh my goodness. Mm. I don't think I want to be in a hot tub of shared meaning. Um, (laughs) y'all were like and okay transition so going back to tell you about the software that's available oh goodness going back to key components and elements of accountability we mentioned trusting one another and really deep caring for one Mm. another some form of mutuality um I think there has to be vulnerability, uh, willingness to even be more honest or transparent, um, and not just expecting the other person to do so, Mm. but both of you doing so in some capacity. Um, And I think one of the biggest things is active listening. I know that that phrase comes out of my therapist uh, loving self uh, all the time. but active listening to make sure that we are really hearing one another. Uh, because I think sometimes we judge one another when we're not, because we think we heard them. 
Yeah. Have you ever been in those, those situations where you're telling your story and you can tell immediately they're trying to respond to you without yet finishing your story? You know, those, and I, I catch myself too. I'm just be honest that I do. I start listening to someone. It's like, Oh, I got a response for that. Let me, without actually hearing what they're going through. So I, you know, I think in particularly around uh, Christian accountability, there's like this pressure to have the right answer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I don't know if that deserves its own, but, but n- answers aren't, I don't think answers are necessary. Um, I run into that in the podcast too, though, because, you know, we, we, a little transparency. We talk a little bit about some of the things that we want to make sure that we cover. I know that it seems like that may not be the case. <laughs> we have a rough outline but of the direction that we want to head. We, we do know. We we do know a little bit, partially just to make sure that we're not stepping on each other's Someone toes or saying the same thing. the hot tub of shared <laughs> meaning. Yes. <laughs> we throw everybody off. Sorry, right. y'all. <laughs> Uh, but oh, it is goodness. it is tricky, especially when you want something like there's something in your brain and you want to get it out. Uh, it it is challenging to really listen well and not. But I think that is an important part of accountability, because if the only concern is what you want to hold someone else accountable for, uh, and not the empathy of understanding the experience that maybe they would have cause them to get there it is a bit of a cause and effect i guess um where you, well, you, you, you do this this happens i think we need to change this but i want to really understand what you're trying to say at the same time and it doesn't it doesn't structure itself well and i think things can get heated and spiral pretty quickly in these kinds of conversations because we're talking about it in an ideal world right where it's like, hello, I am healthy, functioning human. I recognize there's a gap in our relationship and expectations. I believe we should now have a civil structured conversation to fix it. That is not typically how this plays out, right? Yeah. Well, and I think about the uh, relationship I had with a client who who wanted some coaching and support around improving how they interact with their board. And, you know, nine times out of 10, if, if I am willing to be quiet and just listen, the person's going to sort out the challenges they're facing just by having someone to try to explain it to. And I don't actually have to say anything. Almost, I mean, the, the most common, the best case scenario is it's hard for me not to say things. I know you find that hard to be hard to believe, but um, <laughs> is, you know, I might utter, well, a question of, of clarification, like, what, what do you mean by you feel like you couldn't do this because so-and-so said no, you know, just actually responding that, that, that for me and I'm my own personal experience too. And in, in accountability is I'm probably better at formulating my own accountability. I just need someone to be there with me more than I need someone to tell me what to do. I think that's how it often gets twisted is that we have morphed accountability into telling somebody else what to do. Mm. At least oftentimes Christian accountability. Mm. That it's, you need to do this. You need to fix that. Um, And if you'll just do this, you're going to be happy and content. 
Oh, I was just having really strong flashbacks back to middle school um, and early high school of, I had a group of friends that really believed in this idea of Christian accountability. Um, and I think I'm realizing, like, as we're talking about this, this is why, uh, this is a hard topic for me, uh, because they stepped in without me asking for any support, uh, for my own faith walk. They showed up, uh, and they were friends, but then they started, uh, expressing accountability. Like you need to not do this, Lindsay, you need to not do that. We are saying this because we love you and we want you to hold you accountable. And that's what we're supposed to do. Um, and I was real out of control. I was listening to secular music and that was really terrible. Um, well, it, I mean, it could have been, who were you listening to? I'm I mean, saying. my age bracket puts me exactly at the, uh, boy band of. Okay. That was terrible. NSYNC, they should hold you account. Yes. Boys, Jessica Simpson, Christina Aguilera, Britney Spears. I mean. Wow, it, these friends I'm were looking sure. out for you, but not for the reasons they thought they were. Sin and villainy. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure the you know the songs "Genie in a Bottle" it was like going to take me down a rabbit hole. That was going to be the end of me Obviously by listening to that. Thank God, clearly they had that intervention. I know, I know. Um, but I think of why accountability feels so uncomfortable to me is that that was people stepping in. Um, saying that out of love that they were trying to support me and help me be healthier, better, more godly. Uh, but instead it was done in a shaming way. Stop doing this. Stop doing that. You are. And instead of that is bad, it started transitioning of you are bad. You. And and Um, it incidentally puts the person who's saying that in a very righteous position. And when you think about accountability, very rarely in my experience, and I'm only saying me, y'all seem to have had um, in discipleship models and things like that, maybe some healthier forms of accountability. Sometimes, uh, But for me, it was almost always not me asking somebody to walk with me and help hold me accountable, but somebody always choosing to uh, believing that at their Christian duty was to analyze my life. It's imposed. And hold me accountable. Um, And so that's where it's real uncomfortable. Um, And that's totally different than like being an ordained United Methodist minister. I have submitted myself to the connectional system and I am expecting, uh, I expect them and they expect me to be held to a set aside standard, knowing that I come with that comes with a form of authority and expectation. That is a mutual form of submission for me of accountability. Um, right. Which is so different than late middle school, early high school, uh, showing up, pretending to not pretending, believing that they uh, were sent by God to fix me. Mm. Yeah, the intervention, 
I mean, accountability doesn't have to be a grand intervention, right? Like, mm-hmm. what, I mean, if accountability is going really well, it's more kind of micro conversations than it is waiting till it's some kind of major conflict, right? Well, I, mean, I think easily said, uh, accountability is not intervention. Intervention is intervention. this person's, huh? Not intervention, intervention is intervention. <laughs> intervention is a form is, of accountability, though. This person's behaving or participating in activities that are threatening to themselves or others. And, and you as a person or a group of people choose that the best option is to intervene and to be clear with this person that there's harm being done. Right. That's that's intervention. And it has a role in society. Does you know, discipleship and accountability is a much more journey oriented. It's, oh, I'm walking alongside. We are walking alongside each other. We are encouraging each other. We're strengthening each other in the journey. We're listening to each other. It's a very relational kind of uh, function in society um, that helps all of us involved in it improve uh, the way we live in a more rich and full life. And what has happened is that we have turned what what could be a really formative and ongoing relationship into a series of mini interventions. We just need to Mm -hmm. fix this behavior that I see in you. We need to fix this behavior. And by the way, the reason I see this behavior in you is because it's the same behavior I'm doing that I'm ashamed of, Mm -hmm. but I can't talk about, but it's a lot easier for me to just tell you, you should stop doing it. And instead of me asking, uh, can you help hold me accountable to this? It uh, seems like a better idea for me to just point it out in you and I'll Mm. hold you accountable in it. That's right. And because that makes us believe that we internally are going to probably hold ourselves accountable, which almost never happens in those moments. It only becomes more about shaming the other person. Mm -hmm. Which is really about you being able to shame yourself. Yes. It's, It's this really twisted way of, you know. When it comes to like, our last episode about habits and um, my strong feelings about New Year's resolutions. Uh, they were strong, <laughs> very strong. I didn't even realize I had that in me. I like came out the gate just out of control. It was awesome. I did want to check in. How are they going? <laughs> it was. I didn't great. even make I them. Loved so it. we're fine. <laughs> have you stopped um, doing all those things I told you you should stop doing? <laughs> yes. Let's have an accountability conversation. Right. Um, so I think that if. If we were to have some form of resolution or goal, uh, accountability would mean uh, y'all would ask me about it. How's it going? What's that like? Or let's say my goal, a goal that I encourage myself and so many other friends to have is like, find a way to move your body as many days of the week as you can. So it can be, (laughs) Michael is now like interpretive dancing in Zoom. Uh, yes, if that's the way you want to move your body today, good for you. Um, I, I think that the goal of that is like, find a way to walk around the block, go for a run, do a yoga class, whatever, um, go garden outside and dig in the dirt. Um, I know it is not warm enough to do that, but like envision the future. Um, all those ways are ways that we can move our body. If those were my goals and y'all just, texted me and said, Hey, do you have a chance to move your body yet today? Um, that feels like really healthy, uh, uh, 
accountability that comes with a lot of support and affirmation. Um, I think that. Which would be different than me saying, you know, Lindsay, have you heard of the COVID-19? Uh, I feel <laughs> you like, look like you've gained it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you <laughs> You know, is maybe you should have you tried being more active. Like, have you considered walking every day or, you know, maybe lay off the mimosa Mondays, you know, like. Right. With, with oh, that was that is what people might assume is, oh, well, I'm I'm doing the right thing because I'm I I see a flaw and I'm trying to fix the flaw. Yeah. For you. Yeah. Proceed flaw. Okay. I don't actually think I just for the record, Lindsay has not gained. <laughs> I have not even gained if the- she did want to gain 19 pounds. She's <laughs> she's a healthy person and we're not body shaming anybody. Um. <laughs> Put the disclaimer out there. Okay, then. So if that's, that's right. if that's not how to do it, let's unpack where that came from. So when when Lindsay got genie in a bottled by her <laughs> friends in middle school, it definitely rubbed her the wrong way. Oh goodness! Yes, and the scripture that got okay. used. <laughs> Are you watching the entire music video in your mind right now? <laughs> Yes, Michael is I'm trying to really it in my head. <laughs> so if that's you the are case. welcome. Uh, the scripture that was used, I don't know if it was the scripture that was used then, but the scripture that often I heard floating around late high school and early college uh, is I don't even have the whole scripture in front of me of in Proverbs. Uh, iron sharpens iron. Proverbs twenty seven seventeen. I wrote okay. it down in a pre meeting. <laughs> <laughs> and so iron iron sharpens iron and it, it the way that it often gets used is instead of in a healthy way like always felt really abrasive of i mean iron sharpening iron just feels like somebody's going to end up cut and hurt um and it's going to be real rough well, and real uncomfortable and and um and yeah. and so for me, that's some of where I heard uh, this concept of accountability couched in. I've heard people say that that scripture is not to be applied to women because it says one man sharpens another. Therefore, women improve upon each other a different way. Doesn't that just okay. feel icky? Wow. Yeah. And then those are, you just can't do it. There's another one in Matthew 18 that gets talked about a lot, starting with verse 15, where if somebody sins against you, you go and talk to the person directly, and then if they don't listen to you, you go get a third party, and then you, like, kick them out. Is the, oh, the yeah, 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 yeah. I think that one is leveraged quite a bit. Can anyone with oh. a theology degree help me unpack what that means? Oh, I was just going to say that it totally is the way to leverage gossip culture. Of like, oh, you're not going to listen to me? Let's pull in somebody else and tell them all of my perception of your business. And then you share, you know, why you think you don't need to change and we'll gang up on you and say why you should. Yeah, back in the day, the thing to really trick somebody was to do a three-way call, but then to let oh, one person know that yeah. the other person wasn't on the line. I think taking, like sending screenshots is probably the modern-day equivalent, which is a lot easier to do than it used to be. Yeah. You used to have to like at least coordinate that you were going to trap somebody. Now you just hit a couple buttons and send the screenshots directly to them to cause drama, I guess. 
Yeah. I think if I want to think about a form of healthy relationships and supporting one another, Mm. um, one of the most meaningful scripture verses to me is first Thessalonians five 11. Therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Um, and what would it look like if our entire relationship with one another was about encouragement, support, and lifting one another up? Like what if we cheered for one another? Um, I think about this in like parenting models. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there's, uh, the concept of positive parenting, uh, where you are affirming what your child is doing or a child is doing. Um, and so you're supporting, uh, all the positive, healthy, uh, activities that you want them and habits and behaviors you want them to engage in. And instead of all this punishment around the stuff that you don't want them to do, uh, you just praise all the positive stuff. Uh, well, we all love affirmation. And so we're going to keep doing the stuff that we get the attention for and the praise for. Um, and so that's a way to support and encourage positive, healthy habits. Uh, what would that be like if our form of accountability was like that? Hmm. Yeah. One of my favorite <laughs> coaching rule of thumbs is that you don't say anything about it until somebody's done it three times. So this would be sports coaching. So you like if you're teaching somebody how to swing a bat or a golf club or something like that, don't overcorrect every little thing until you've seen somebody do something three times. You don't know if it was a one-off or a habit, and you don't want to make them focus on something that was a one-off. And so once it's established as a little bit of a pattern, then it's something to do, but don't micro-correct. I thought that was a, a – it's obviously not universally – Reminds me, I uh, I coached softball this last season, and um, for the record, I've never coached softball and never played softball, but I got drafted. So I did, and I, I then I got drafted to be the batting coach on top of that, um, which, by the way, I have no expertise in batting. But uh, we did batting cages one day. We took all these uh, 11-year-old, 12-year-old girls to batting cages to do some batting practice. And I remember one of the parents uh, coming up to me and saying, I don't know what you did, but, but ever since that practice, you, she's been hitting. My daughter's just been hitting. And I, like, I remember you went up to her and you, she wasn't hitting a thing. You walked up, you said something, and then immediately just started hitting. And I just, I just laughed to myself. And I, because I remember that particular uh, athlete and that moment. And all I did is I walked up and I said, listen, just trust yourself. Your body knows where this bat needs to go. Just look at the ball, trust yourself that you can do it and you can hit this ball. Don't be afraid of it. Mm. That's literally all I said. Cause I have no idea. I don't can't <laughs> teach any technique. <laughs> there was this real powerful moment and then you're like i have no idea what's going on i don't i mean i don't know how to teach a girl how to hit a ball like i don't like i'm sure that if i were a professional softball coach who had years of experience about teaching people how to hit but i didn't but i what i did know is she was scared and didn't believe she could do it mm-hmm. and and all she needed was somebody to say trust yourself you could do this 
watch the ball and just swing the bat and just just take a risk. Um, and I I think that that is the the idea of being positive is really helpful to people because they feel bad enough about themselves already. I mean, you could mm-hmm. you could see she was slumped and she was she was sad uh, and frustrated, um, and then and then she took a risk and she did it because someone came along and said, "Hey, you can, you can actually do this. You you are capable. Trust yourself." Um, same thing happened in basketball. <laughs> Helped to catch some basketball, and this 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 girl never took any shots during the game. And I was like, "Listen, you know, I went to I went to a Hawks game." And they took about 5,000 shots and missed them all. And we lost. And they're still paid millions of dollars. It's like <laughs> their job is to just play basketball. And they miss shots. But I'll tell you one thing. You're never going to make one if you don't take one. Mm-hmm. And the next game, she started taking shots. I have never played basketball. I don't know how to shoot. I don't know how to score. But, but I do know that people just need to hear that they're okay. And that they can do this. It's possible. Uh, and they don't know when there are very few people that I know that need to be reminded of the failures they have in their life, because those are so well known, like the back of their hand, like they know everything they've ever done wrong. They know where they failed. And the last thing they need is somebody saying, reminding them that they suck when what they really need is someone who says, you know what you look, what you did do. Look, look how far you've come. Look what's possible if you keep working on this. Uh, that's the real motivator and changer in somebody's life. It's mm-hmm. at least from from the way I experience my own life, that's the way I see it. Okay. I, I'm laughing at the takeaway of that, Michael, is uh, Michael is coaching all sorts of things that he does not know how to coach. <laughs> exactly. However, <laughs> however. He is the person you want in your corner if you want to feel affirmed, loved, and confident. Um, when it comes to the actual skill of the sport playing, might not be helpful, but he not can help all. your self-esteem. Not at all helpful. <laughs> <laughs> but but hey, isn't that perfect for accountability? Because you don't it need is. right. You don't need to be a health coach to help someone on their health journey. What you what you need to be is is encouragement encourager someone who listens who and cheers for you who cheers for you who offers you uh hope that you can keep doing this cries when you when you miss a goal that you had like that's that's real to me that's that's real accountability because then it's on the same field you're playing the same game together and and you're you're just there for each other and i think you you make better strides that way than if if I were a highly technical batting coach trying to teach an 11 year old girl how to hit. Oh yeah. Well, as we wrap up, I'm going to hit, here's some quick, here's some quick hitters. Quick hitters. It was, going deep was on a, this. That was a softball reference. I know. I, I was waiting for somebody to comment or you to laugh at your own self. Uh, right. Here's some ground balls for practice. <laughs> All right, Lindsay, Michael, get out into the infield and let's practice. Here we go. <clears throat> Short answers only, you're going to solve some common problems. Okay, you ready? Uh, sure. You need to hold someone accountable at work, but you have not done the little things to have the little accountability conversations. So something needs to change in the next week or so. Everybody's at their breaking point. 
but you have to backfill all the trust stuff. Where do you start? Quick hits only. Are you trying to talk about our current work situation? (laughs) (laughs) Nice job stalling for more time. We'll talk about that later. No, (laughs) everything's fine at the office, everybody. Everything's fine. I mean, you've got to, you cannot change everything in a week. You can, uh, you got to own that you have not shown up along the way uh, as a leader, that you haven't had these conversations. So you are going to have them now. And which of those things as you as a leader can take on and try to remedy? And is there something that the person working for you Uh, you can give them something smaller and tangible to start on. We cannot change a habit in a week. Ooh, good. It's great advice. I mean, that's just unfair. Yeah. I think, uh, if, if, if a person in the workplace approaches me and says, you know, a colleague really is, this has really become problematic. Uh, the first is to just to listen, uh, to the person who's coming to you for assistance and really encourage them to feel empowered to address it themselves um, as opposed to just a supervisor kind of coming in and, and addressing something. Um, and, and even then still like, so even if, if Lindsay decides she's going to address this problem with you, Evan, if I'm your, if I'm the supervisor in the scenario, so I, I would, I want to be able to check in with you too and, and start having more check-ins with, with both of you as, as I know this is happening in the background and be sure that we, we develop a little bit of relationship of trust and, and realize that I missed it if I did. Mm. Great answers. Next ground ball. You both mentioned transparency multiple times, but did not necessarily uh, go in depth on how transparency and accountability are connected. How are transparency, how do you view that transparency and accountability are connected together? I wouldn't use the word transparency. Um, I think vulnerability, mm-hmm. um, m- maybe translucence, um, but but <laughs> it's not about translucence. We don't want you to see all the way through and everything, but okay. uh... right because the, the 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 challenge you face, I think, in in these situations is how much am I sharing of myself over, like, am I especially like you know counseling relationships it's really an interesting in, in coaching too and like the professional accountability circles how much do you reveal of yourself so mm-hmm. so you're not you're not moved because you because they didn't come they're not paying you for you to talk about yourself but you need to be enough vulnerable in that relationship where they feel like they can trust you and that you you are someone who is real and and can and can interact with the scenario Right. So there's, there's that piece. And I think the same goes in uh, all sorts of relationships. Like, I don't think the mm-hmm. purpose would be transparent um, in so much as it would be to be open and honest and vulnerable, which I think is a little bit different. I think vulnerability is partly like, yeah, me too. I felt that way. Um, you're not alone in that. Mm. And when it comes to the, and I think vulnerability um, maybe in, as Michael said, some self-disclosure um, in that or some mutu- some mutuality of 
you not expecting the only the other person to be the only one that has to have skin in the game. Mm. Okay, right. that's good. The difference between me, like uh, if you remember our grief episode um, uh, a couple of seasons ago, I guess we I, there's a phrase I like to use, like I've experienced hurt before. I don't, I, I haven't, I don't profess to know what you're going through, but I've experienced hurt before. I've experienced loss before, and I know that it's it's hard, and I'm here for you. That's- I have used that a hundred thousand times since we did that episode. <laughs> I just, you know, and it, it it just it I don't feel icky after I su- like support somebody, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's good. I just when I whenever somebody needs anything, I just blend the two of your brains together and go, it's, what would Michael? L- both Lindsay things could be true at the same time. I don't and know what I, you're going through, but I've experienced her before. I. But I think that's a good example of the difference between transparency and vulnerability. So I'm being vulnerable saying I've experienced hurt before and I know that it can be really challenging. That's different than me saying, you know, my dad died when I was 12 and I got really depressed and like that's that would be transparent. Um, (laughs) And that's I think those are the kind of the helps delineate the difference. And I think in accountability relationships, that vulnerability is, is a helpful tool. I as kind of a little Brene Brown aside, I think sometimes we are transparent uh, or share too, have too much self-disclosure um, in hopes of gaining vulner- like a vulnerable moment and connection. So we overshare uh, to try to expedite hmm. the amount of time it takes to connect um, when in reality our oversharing um, almost never brings closer connection in that it almost moment. Shuts it, it could shut it down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It makes sense for time. Like, oh, well, I, relationships feel I know you've lost somebody, but I lost this person and mm-hmm. it did this to me. That kind of. Yeah. You know. That's good. Okay. Ground ball. Here we go. Best opening lines to start an accountability conversation that don't make somebody think they're in trouble. You should. <laughs> you shared that you wanted some help with this. How can I support you? What about your failures have shared with me that you... <laughs> Again, <laughs> accountability cannot be us showing up and making decisions about other people. Ooh. I like to say one of my phrases, so how are things going? Yeah. Because... When you start a conversation with someone who you're in that kind of relationship, it would be easy for me to assume that, you know, because I'm coaching Lindsay on her COVID-19, that I'm going to jump right into, so how's your mm-hmm. diet going? Or how's your exercise? Mm-hmm. Did you move? When actually what I, what she really wants to say to me is something else. So I think that like, yeah. how are things going? How, what some kind of opening line that's, that's curious and affirming and and like encouraging of them opening up and sharing what's happening. Excellent. You guys are passing this non-graded test with flying colors. <laughs> I want a pop-up. This is I'm tired of grounders. I don't like the dirt. All right, final two questions. Here's 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 a pop-up and then there's one that you're going to have to reach over the fence and get at the end. Okay? You oh, ready? Goodness. Here's okay. your pop-up. Best music to put on when having an accountability conversation. Best background music. And why is it Enya? <laughs> I was going nine inch nails, but you know, and yeah, same, same vein. Oh, it's the same effect on me. 
Okay, Nine Inch Nails is, is, is Michael's. <laughs> Lindsay, best music to throw in the background. Do you put on that counseling music on a speaker that's like, yo, whoa, you? It's like spa music and then spa like the music. sound of water. Uh, no, I mean, I missed my sound machine. Uh, however, I will say that a sound machine in real life and a sound machine uh, in virtual counseling uh, video counseling um, are very different. Uh, it sounds like running water or like a toilet running nonstop uh, if you're in virtual counseling. So you cannot use a white mo- noise machine when you are yeah. virtual. You can only really use it in person. So helpful hints for all of you running. Practices. Yeah. So don't use that as your uh, background. So sound. he's going no music. On I'm going no music. Yeah. I let them pick the music that way. I say, put on your favorite song. That way, they then associate how horrible my conversation went and how so you're going to ruin it forever with okay. their favorite song. So I ruin it. It's I'm like an ex boyfriend of accountability. Uh, okay. <laughs> Final question. Final question. Reaching over the fence as we wrap up. <clears throat> Do you think that an emotional prosperity gospel has become pervasive in Christian circles that transcends the traditional prosperity gospel in which people say, hey, if you just do these things, you will have good emotions. So just follow this. And so it has become in some ways less materialistic, but more self-absorbed in a way to extend our own selves and manage other people's behaviors and that we will be rewarded if we take these actions, thus setting ourselves up for a non-realistic disappointment that exists with in our own society is there an emotional prosperity gospel and why should we talk about it yes that was the longest run-on sentence and so i'm still bothered by the fact that it was a run-on sentence um i'll just go with a simple yes i think that we are searching for ways that we can always be perfect and happy um and believing that that exists at all times and that we're supposed to force other people to be perfect and happy. It, it, it goes to Lindsay's earlier conversations about emotions being neither good or bad and our propensity to believe that faith is a zero sum game and mental well-being and health of vitality, all th- all these things are either you have it or you don't, it's binary. And mm-hmm. that, we should avoid death at all costs. We should avoid unhappiness or sadness or depression or anger or any of these raw emotions, any, any emotion, uh, except for stability and confidence and happiness and prosperity and those. And so, yes, I think, I think uh, it, it has a lot more to do with, with um, sort of our capitalistic works righteousness, theological, political, and social structures of, of Americanism, that you're, you're a winner or you're a loser, and, and everything just kind of comes out after that. So I think that that's theology has certainly, or the practice of um, Christian beliefs has become around this idea of being healthy as sign of your holiness, and that we're all chasing that. Well, we'll do some more conversation about this offline, add a chapter to your book, Emotional Prosperity Gospel. You got to figure it out. It's going to be great. Well, thank you everyone for listening to this episode. We appreciated it. Hopefully you felt uh, 
very accountable that your blood pressure spiked like you got called to the office in middle school. And I just want to say uh, to the girl named Sarah in front of me in line uh, when I was in class in second grade and I just moved to a new town and a new school, she jumped in front of me in line and I said, no cuts, no butts. And she said, ooh, I'm going to tell the teacher you said butts. And uh, it's the most scared I've been in my entire life because I thought I was going to get expelled from school. Uh, so Sarah... Thanks for doing that to me. It's still stuck with me today. So, And I apologize to Emily in kindergarten for pulling your hair. But it was really your fault because you wore pigtails and shook them in front of me in kindergarten. (laughs) (laughs) So thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, Justin, for producing this episode. Thanks, Lindsay, for putting up with Michael and I. We hope that everybody just has a (laughs) wonderful day. As always, you can always leave us a little review, send us a message, all those good things. And we look forward to seeing you next episode. Bye-bye.